the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. There's much imagery within scriptures speaking about the sense of protection that God affords us, that we are sheltered underneath his wings, that we can find his bosom as a, a refuge from the storms of life. And certainly, boy, literally, we're, we're facing storms of life in every, every way and every manner of late here, uh, both uh, the storms of life that fall from heaven in the way of rain and just the day-to-day challenges of living. And so finding a home, finding a place that provides that sense of refuge from in and out of the storm, be it the literal storm or the storms of life, is critically important. And Refuge Church of Concord is providing just that kind of environment. Joining me right now is the senior pastor of Refuge Church, formerly known as Park Haven Community Church, Pastor Steve Wilhite. And Pastor Steve, great to have you with us. Thank you for having me. Now, I'm curious in relationship to the name change, there's got to be some strategy behind that because in my mind, it so aptly encapsulates really the position that the church should be providing to not just the body of Christ, but to those out there, too, that are seeking answers and trying to come in from out of the storm and, and, and find that, that safe place, that safe haven. Yes, that's it's very true. We are, we are definitely a refuge. We, we became a refuge, if I may. We became refuge, um, changed the name from Park Haven because the community, the demographic that we're in, didn't really relate to what a park haven was, even though we tell them the story of 70 years ago when this church was planted, that the community was called Park Haven Estates. And so the name was adapted then. And we took the name of Park Haven as, as part of the community. As the community has changed, the ethnic di- diversity of the community has changed. We sought away and prayed for how we could better communicate who we are to our community by shortening a park haven, which a haven, of course, is is a refuge, and and decided on that name, Refuge. Um, We're a church that cares, and we do so by loving everybody, anybody and everybody that comes to our doors. And as you said earlier, the refuge for those caught in the storms of life and a place where hope is restored. Um, We have such a a great opportunity in the demographic that we minister to. Uh, We are the only evangelical church within a quarter mile radius. And we serve, well, we have 32,000 people to serve in this demographic. So... (laughs) Tell me a bit about um, your involvement with the ministry. Just before we came on the air today, you mentioned that um, you're coming up on your 15th anniversary as senior pastor there at Refuge. Uh, how, how did this all start for you? What drew you in? Well, 40 plus years ago, when I gave my life to Christ and confessed him as my Lord, the very first thing the leadership did was say, we've got to go out to the highways, the byways, and what to 
what so it's what I've been doing for about 40 years is helping the needy and the poor and what drew me into this church is my grandparents helped plant this church 70 years ago so I was here as a little boy and then on and off through the years I I'd done some church plants and a lot of music ministry in prisons and jails and and biker ministries and things like that that kept us really involved with the needs of people who were just struggling with life just the day-to-day struggles of life and so we we've had this great opportunity as i was drawn into it when i became the pastor here 15 years ago i said we've got to do something this was a church that was very it was it's a great church i've been here all my life pretty much but it was a church that was very introverted and they weren't doing a lot out in the community and and outreach and i said we've got to change this instead of being partakers uh well we need to be partakers not just people who just sit in a pew and and don't participate so so this is it's been a long journey and and we have I was drawn into it just by seeing the needs that we had in our community and the people that were coming in the door, um, just seeking seeking a place for for renewed hope. Well, and so that, that that sense of engagement, which you know, when you yeah. really look at it, it is the high water mark of the first century church. And you and you just quoted the passage of scripture to go out into the highways and byways and compel them to come in. Sadly, today, there's a growing number of churches that take a slightly different opinion, a different approach. They hang out a shingle and say, we'll build it and they shall come. <laughs> but but do they come? And if they come, do they stay very long? Do they find what they're looking for when they come? And I think that sense of community engagement and, and not only boldly proclaiming the news of Christ, but also boldly demonstrating in a very practical fashion what that good news looks like with feet on, so to speak, um, has been uh, very much part of the DNA of refuge in these years. And, you know, everything from not just the ministry there and, and teaching both the Sunday morning worship service, but you're also very engaged in a um, community pantry and, and outreach, providing weekly food distributions, a number that undoubtedly since COVID has grown pretty significantly. And while some might say, you know, that's good news and bad news mixed together. That there's that much of a need is the bad news. The good news is the capacity of this ministry to not only address those felt needs, but do so in a way that can reach out, touch hearts and lives, and, and hopefully open that door and get that engagement going. Really, I, I would imagine to some degree must be sort of the, uh, what should we call it, the, the secret sauce of ministry <laughs> there at Refuge. It is. It is the secret sauce. That's that's a great term. I'll, I'll have to use that. But we we just want to follow scripture. What uh, scripture we follow? Scripture tells us to take care of the needy and the poor, the widow, the fatherless. I mean, it's all throughout old and old and the new testament. And we're just we're just ab- abiding in this in the scripture that tells us to help people. And and we're not worried about having one of those giant churches. And uh, we definitely do offer seeker-sensitive uh, ministries. And, but we do, our main focus really is really to helping the people in this community. And, and through COVID, as you said, through COVID, the numbers have 
gone through the roof. We started our food pantry as a as just an outreach to the people in the church and a couple of people in our community. When COVID started, we were serving 75 families. And as it COVID got, everything got worse, we grew and now serve uh, close to 200 families, about 180 families, which has equated over the, since the, the pandemic began in March 2020, we have served over 120,000 people, individuals, groceries. Wow. Which five, about a little over 5 million pounds of groceries have gone on through our campus in this short amount of time. We never expected what we're getting in, in the need that we're seeing. Uh, it's, it's very great. And, and this, the sheer number of touches, I, I look at each yes. and every individual that comes to receive weekly, monthly, one time only, and their family members. Those are all opportunities to, to touch their lives. Um, some conversations may begin and end with just thank you, God bless you. They go along their way. But I would imagine that many of those conversations also turn into something deeper and richer and an opportunity to kind of get into uh, uh, the meat of Scripture, so to speak, and and to be able to really, you know, address the questions. Why are you doing this? Which which I'm sure must be asked every now and then. And if people that have physical needs, meaning they're coming because they're hungry. They're not able to, in today's economy especially, pay the rent, pay the medical bills, keep the PG&E bill paid, and put food on the table. Clearly, there are some needs there. And so for the opportunity presented by the church to meet not just the felt needs, but then to use that as a gateway to address some of the spiritual needs. I mean, boy, that in my mind, that is first century church, pure Christianity at work. That's, that's what I was taught at the very beginning. Craig, I was handed a Bible and the person who handed me the Bible said, go do this. Didn't know what that meant. I do now. And just to be able to meet those needs and have these opportunities, we, we have taken great opportunity, great advantage of being able to speak to people. We put scripture verses in the bags every week, words of encouragement. We also pray. We've had a number of people come to Christ through this. And like I say, we're still a small church, but we had to start a Spanish ministry as well, and which we did last year. And that that ministry is growing, and so we are seeing definitely seeing some outcomes, some good results from ministering to people. Not only, like you said, the, the felt need, but the but the spiritual needs that are here. We have a predominantly with our Hispanic community. We have a predominantly Catholic. Uh, community, but we've seen a number. In fact, we baptized one young man on Sunday who came from the from the Catholic faith, and he's he's actually the guy who's serving in serving as uh, staff on on the outside that I spoke of earlier. So um, we've we've just if we have everyone come to church that we've been ministering to, we we'll need a bigger boat. <laughs> we'll need a bigger boat. And, but we do minister to people daily throughout the community for all kinds of needs from our unsheltered friends and neighbors to, to those, like you said, who are struggling with their utility bills and feeding their families and, and working and, you know, buying the kids clothes and we work with schools here in the community as well. In fact, we're getting ready to start a, a kids club, in one of the schools that's about not three quarters of a mile away from us here, the lowest scores in the district 
and probably pretty much some of the lowest scores anywhere in the schools and absenteeisms and and te- the test scores and it's just it's a school that has no PTA, no involvement with these children, and we are going to bring bring that into the community as well. So you know that that's got to require not only a degree of sensitivity, meaning an awareness of what's going on in the community around you, where the felt needs are, where the pain is, but also yes. willingness to get out there and and take some risk, because some people say, well. You know, what if it doesn't work? You know, what if what if we attempt to do this and it turns out to be a total failure? And and I would suspect Jesus's answer would be, well, if it doesn't work in this town, shake your the dust off your shoes and move on to the next one. But keep moving, keep doing. Our conversation today with Pastor Steve Wilhite, senior pastor at Refuge Church of Concord. A brief timeout. Back to more of our conversation in just a moment. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back. We're talking today with Pastor Steve Wilhite. Pastor Steve is the senior pastor at Refuge Church in Concord. Pastor Wilhite, let's return to our conversation just prior to the break. Now, as we mentioned earlier, it seems like the real key here is engagement. You you talked about doing of the word a moment ago. And some uninitiated might say, oh, well, he misspoke. He may, you don't do the word. You read the word. You read God's word. And and certainly that's true. But that's what right. you do with the ha- reading of the word afterwards that moves from the reading to the doing. And and, and, and maybe you can comment on that, uh, Pastor Wilhite, because there's a, there's a growing number of Christians that seem to kind of get stuck. If you can get right. them to read the word in the first place, the reading is one thing. The application is another. And almost as right. if there's a sense that, well, I'll read about it, but when it says to go out in the highways and byways, well, I, that doesn't that doesn't mean me. I mean, I, I, I don't have the uh, the ability to memorize scripture to go and share my faith. That's just, you know, that that's what the evangelist does. Uh, but I'm, I'm here to support them all the way. Speak to that, if you would. Well, part of part of the well, we don't indoctrinate people into the church. We really allow them to come in, and we focus on their gifting and if they're really interested. But but as far as being doers of word, James tells us, you know, don't simply be hearers, but be doers of the word. And and these are the key things. So we go through scripture and we find out, okay, what is God saying to do? And you know, of course, everybody goes to Matthew twenty eight. You know, go and make disciples. Well, how do we do that? So. So we, we do have a lot of people that are that are trying to find a way into the church and we're having to overcome a lot of obstacles because of hurts, previous hurts and and presuppositions about the church. But we 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 encourage to go and make disciples, but to be a doer of the word is to go out and it's not all works based. You have to have an you know, a great deal of faith and trusting in God when you're going out and to do what he wants us to do for the day. We pray every single day, God, whatever you have us to do today. I don't consider anything an interruption um, or an imposition to have somebody burst in the door and having a need. Um, And like James 127 is, is our, one our key verse here. And that's, Pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God is this to to um, take care of the widows and orphans in their distress and to keep yourself unstained by the world. And, so we we walk in that light and and we just try to just spread that joy and a lot of people do have as you mentioned they do struggle with coming into 
a church situation because there's so much bad um, there's so many bad things being spoken about the church when in, in actuality if the people that you, you should see the great joy and the accomplishment the fulfillment that people get um, I've got drug addicts out there that were, were formerly drug addicts and one guy is an alcoholic he was on the streets for 40 years just seeking God. We had a warming shelter and he came and received Christ. Uh, there's a, a former gang member. He's from the South side of Chicago who he was in front of the church on a distribution day. He was attacked and stabbed 37 times and left to bleed and die in the street. Well, he was in intensive care. And this guy came, came to the church one Sunday after church and jumped in my truck window and crying. I need Jesus, you know? So, so we, we don't. I, I didn't say. Well, no, we're off to lunch. You know, come talk to me tomorrow. I I let him jump in my truck window, and I prayed with him right there, and embraced this guy, and and he has been serving here as well ever since. He's been serving the Lord and finds great peace and, and coming to the campus and and being around the people of God, and it's something so new to him. And I could just <clears throat> there's story after story after story about people who have been influenced by going out, coming and just being a part of doing something for the kingdom. And um, some don't, like I think you mentioned, some don't even realize they're doing something for the kingdom, but they want to come and serve. And pretty soon they hear people talking about God and they're talking about Jesus. And and before you know it, we're praying over them and praying for them. And, and they're, we see, see their lives transforming. So it's... Um, the spiritual aspect of this whole thing is just, it's just enormous. Well, and, and you, I know and that's you, why God, so. And you use the word, and I think it's an important one, transformation. And really, at the end of the day, that's what Scripture is all about. That's what an encounter with Jesus Christ is all about, um, to to recognize our, our separation from God, to recognize this wonderful gift that he has provided in his son Jesus that we just celebrated here over the Christmas holidays, the gift of Christ and and the ultimate sacrifice that he gave on the cross that in him and through him we might be reconciled unto the Father, be forgiven, walk in fellowship with the very creator of the universe and to experience a transformed life. And, you know, I, I think that it, it, it probably is... True. I don't know that I can quote uh, passage of scripture, but I, undoubtedly it's true that that transformed lives transform lives. Meaning that if you've had that encounter, if you know that you know that you know, if you've had that experience, you you know that you're a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. Everything has become new. There is that deep sense of excitement in your own life having experienced an encounter with a living God, then I, I think this is something where, you know, people oftentimes say, well, I don't, I, I just don't want to impose my beliefs on others or, you know, my faith is a very private thing. I don't like to talk about it. I, I would be inclined to say that's probably indicative of somebody who is number one, terribly spiritually or, or scripturally rather ignorant and secondarily may or may not have experienced genuine transformation in Christ because in my mind if you have genuinely experienced that transformation 
then engaging with others, sharing your faith, meeting felt needs, being out there in the highways and byways, as we spoke of earlier, is not something that you feel you're forced to do. It's something that you feel compelled to do. It's in your, it's practically in your DNA to, to shout it from the housetops. Our conversation today with Pastor Steve Wilhite, Senior Pastor at Refuge Church of Concord. A brief time out, back to more of our conversation in just a moment. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back. We're talking today with Pastor Steve Wilhite. Pastor Steve is the senior pastor at Refuge Church in Concord. Pastor Wilhite, I want to come back to where we were talking just prior to the break. I think the preaching of the gospel and demonstrating what transformed lives as a result of the gospel look like um, has, has got to be not only clearly the key to what God is doing at Refuge Church of Concord, but I think to the to the sort of macro viewpoint, it really comes down to, I think, what the church globally overall needs right now to to revisit who we are and where we sit, not only in terms of our relationship with God, but most importantly, then with this great gift that we have, what are we doing with it? Are we hiding our light under the the basket to not be seen by anyone because we're afraid the wind might come and blow it out? Are we setting up? up tall on top of the candle stand for all to see being the light yes letting our light so shine <laughs> tell me a yes. bit about day-to-day life at um refuge church you you mentioned earlier about a growing diverse congregation and a lot of that diversity coming because you're growing where you're planted the neighborhood changes and therefore the church changes what else it, it does change we we do a Wednesday night, I think I mentioned earlier, we do our Wednesday night uh, dinner with the neighbors, and we do have neighbors who with houses, neighbors that are unsheltered. We welcome every, we have day laborers that come in for the dinner. We, we have a catering company from Oakland that will bring food to us. We have some great people here that are volunteer. They, they cook stuff at home. We don't have a commercial kitchen yet. We're really working on that. They, they cook stuff from home. They bring it. We warm it. And we just have some fantastic gourmet meals. We have a former restaurant owner who's on staff here, uh, food pantry staff. He's the admin in the office. He and his daughter, he owned an Italian restaurant here in Concord for years. And, and there they have brought some things. All oh, the meals that our, <laughs> that our neighbors are, are going away with are just or, or eating with us. They don't always stay, but they, the meals that they're getting are just, it's not just pizza every week or something, and, which we do serve pizza, but, but, but that's, that's our Wednesday nights. And we've had just a, a number of people that have come that were in the line again. They want to know, okay, well, what is, what's really going on in here? So they start to dig deeper and have a greater interest in, in seeing what is, why we're doing what we're doing or why are you guys always so happy? And why is there so much joy around here? And, um, but we've been able to embrace a lot of, a lot of them. And we, we, we have had a huge homeless as there is everywhere right now, but we've, we've just had a huge outpouring and been able to secure some grants for, for the winter for sleeping bags and tents and boots and shoes and jackets, you name it. We, we got a, a grant for that and we were able to buy enough for about 50 people uh, with including children. So we've been able to serve our homeless community 
considerably, and we're getting ready to have some more of this donated to us by another organization we work with who just called me this morning, and I said, how did you know we were out? <laughs> so it's all God thing. And so they, and God says, our, our motto around here, Craig, just to, to let you know, our motto is, if God gives it to us, we need to give it away, so he'll give us more. And we do that every single week. We continue to give it away, and he gives us more. And so the we have women's, women's outreaches here that are they meet either in homes or they meet here at the church, and they, they do a number of things, and they, they come up with the purpose. They say, what are we going to do? What project are we going to do in the community? And they, so they have a, a nice luncheon and they decide, well, this year they decided we'll make um, care bags, which were hygiene kits. And and we were able to have um, kitchenless boxes. So we got these small boxes of food that gave them a day's worth of food that they didn't need can openers and stoves and things like that to cook. So they went out we went out on one Saturday. It was pouring down rain. I was so blessed to see so many people come out in a pouring down rain and find all these camps and go out and hand out hygiene bags and food boxes. It was just beautiful. So, I mean, anything, any opportunity that comes, we pretty much jump on it. And it's because we know we have a chance to share the gospel. Now, I'm curious because there may be some pastors eavesdropping on our conversation right now who are pastoring older established churches that perhaps has begun to atrophy as the founders are passing away, not necessarily being replaced by young people. Uh, sadly, sometimes there's sort of, and I think the media has, has helped to, to um, uh, spurn a lot of this on, that there's more of, in a sense, I think, amongst um, the um, millennial generation that they don't necessarily want to go to serve, they want to go to be entertained. And the big stage, the big spotlight, the big music program, they come, they applaud at the end of the performance, and they go home. It's no different than going to see a stage play, sadly, uh, you know, on Broadway. And and, and yet, for, for some of those churches that say, you know, if we don't start doing something to engage more, we're going to see this congregation solely die off. So I'm yes. curious, for some of the, the, the more established members of the church, you've mentioned the ministry's been around more than 70 years. So for some of the, the more established members of the church that began to see all of this excitement going on and all of this change, and who are these strangers coming into our church? And that guy doesn't look very well dressed. What has the reaction been? How, how have they come along in terms of, of embracing this or, or, being, or being fearful by all this change? Well, you've hit a lot of things. It has been a mix of response. And as we said, we started this pantry. We started it over 13 years ago, started by some of the older people in the church that wanted to help people in the church. And their heart was in the right place and they were doing the right thing. But I said, as you said just a second ago, that if we don't do something uh, about this and get people serving and get them engaging, um, we're going to die. And... Well, my grandmother is going to be 103 years old this Thursday. She's one of the founding members of the church. And her and my grandfather were part of that. They were really kind of opposed at first. You're disrupting it. You're inviting homeless people. They, there's, sometimes they don't smell so good. Sometimes they may blurt out a cuss word or something in, in God's house and uh, all an uproar starts. It's like, well, I, rem I have to we have to remind people of who we once were, mm -hmm. where God brought us from. Some may have been 
born into the Christian home all their lives. I wasn't. I was not born in the Christian home. My grandparents were faithful Christians. My grand, my parents were not. They would drop us here at church. So I saw how a lot of that worked. And we're just we're just going now that there there are a lot of everyone's involved. All I can say is everyone is involved. We if you're here on a Sunday or a, or or a Wednesday night study, we also have Friday night studies as well for evangelism and outreach. <clears throat> but if you're here, you're you're going to serve. You have to expect to give something of your life, your sacrifice, your life, and in order to. Um, fulfill the great commission and and what god has called us to do in the first place instead of going to a big concert every sunday and and i i have friends who have big churches and and some um uh one he's quite a distance away down in turlock that is a huge church and they have adopted their community followed done i love my city and and it's just great to see when you get that number of people and resources moving it's it's great to see what god does through that but we're we 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 did have a struggle i guess the answer to your question is we did have a bit of a struggle but once they saw the results of that and and again people just having that sense of fulfillment of of serving god it really has begun to to take off and I think at the end of the day, transition and change are never easy. And sometimes we sort of, uh, we resist because, well, this is the way we've always done it, because we're comfortable here. And yet God wants to move us out of our comfort zone so we can exercise our faith muscle and step out boldly. And, and remember, at the end of the day, it's not about us, it's about him. And this is what he's called us to do, to go out and preach the word into the highways and byways, compel them to come in, boldly proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. And if that means rolling up your sleeves and getting a little bit uncomfortable and having a few folks that show up that don't perhaps wear a nice tie and suit to Sunday service, as a lot of folks do, well, that's okay, too, because that's that's the target audience, right? At the end of the day, Jesus came to save those who are lost. And so we're about the business of the master. And I, I think, as you say, in the end, Pastor Wilhite, it's it's the proof is in the pudding. And when yes. people after a season see the difference, see the impact that's being had and, and the genuine change in lives, again, it's not a numbers game. Uh, you know, if, if this were a numbers game that we could probably say the San Francisco 49ers do a far better job at packing them in on a Sunday than any church in the San Francisco Bay Area. And if that's what you're all about, then maybe a church that thinks that way needs to go out and hire, I don't know, some cheerleaders, get them out there and pastors preaching that get the pom-poms going, right? And and you can fill yep. the house. If it's about yep. proclaiming God's word and lifting Jesus higher and allowing the Holy Spirit to move and to work in lives and to bring sight to the blind to see healing amongst those that are lame, the restoration of, of hearing uh, spiritually and otherwise, uh, that's really what God has called his body 
to do. And so as we are faithful to him, he will be faithful unto us and to our efforts to grow his kingdom. And, and it sounds like that has very much been the watchword as to what God has been doing at Refuge Church there in Concord. I want to mention again for listeners that have just tuned in, Pastor Steve Wilhite is with us, Senior Pastor at Refuge Church, formerly Park Haven Community Church for folks that have been around the Concord area for, for many years. They meet Sunday mornings for discovery groups. That's at 9.30 a.m. Sunday morning worship at 10.30 a.m. And then Wednesday evenings, they have dinner with the neighbors, which I love, at 6 and then a 7 p.m. Bible study. And then, of course, different types of ministry taking place throughout the entire week along with the fact that uh, Refuge Church provides free groceries to needy individuals and families at their weekly food pantry which has just grown and grown and grown. Our conversation today with Pastor Steve Wilhite, Senior Pastor at Refuge Church of Concord. A brief time out back to more of our conversation in just a moment. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back. We're talking today with Pastor Steve Wilhite. Pastor Steve is the senior pastor at Refuge Church in Concord. Pastor Wilhite, let's return to our conversation just prior to the break. Now, as you look forward, Pastor Steve, what, what, what's your hope? What's your vision for the future of this ministry in Concord? Well, our, our hope and vision for the future is to see a community thrive for Christ. And that's the broad vision, and that is through spiritual and economic development. We, we have people who live on twelve, fourteen thousand dollars $14,000 a year in this community. That's a medium, median income. But our, our focus is to plant other churches. We have a number of, of Iranian, Afghani, and Algerian uh, communities growing, and, and they're, they're kind of isolated. And having them come here and to be able to mingle with other people in line and talk to other people and find out, hey, we all have needs and, and we're all here to support each other. We're hoping to plant a couple of other churches. My, my big vision and goal in, in this year, in the next two years, actually, is to start apartment churches. It's been done before, and it's been done successfully, and we don't have any here, and we have prayed and earmarked five different apartment complexes to have couples go in that have been trained in evangelism and possibly pastor and wife or a young, a young pastor for internship, and they move into this apartment complex, and that becomes their church. And so it's their responsibility to grow that. And then we have we would have larger meetings maybe once a month or so, and and anybody could come to the English or Spanish or whichever uh, number of services we have. We're get, we, we do need a bigger boat now or we're running out of space <laughs> and um, we, we need more space and, and things are growing. And and um, so that's that's the that's the big deal. And see, our, our food pantry program would expand to having more advocacy. We have a number of partners in the community that we work with where anybody from the city to, to the county to other churches, we work with a, a probably about eight other churches we work with here in the community that have caught caught the wave. They've caught the vision and they come and serve and they help provide financially. And and so there's it's. We're not a secret. We're not a best, the best kept secret in Concord. So we really like to be out there. I spend a lot of time doing that, working with city, our city, our mayor, and and city council, and people like that, and our police department because we have a real bad crime problem here. We're trying to alleviate that, and it's had an effect. Like I said, we have you know two for actually two former gang members that are here serving in our pantry today. So 
So that's our focus is really being out there. If we have, we're going to plant some more churches in this next year, probably two more, whether they're here at this location or not, is, is another thing because we're out of space. But, but um, just to really, we're really just focusing heavily on the people we've been serving and just loving on them, trying to meet their needs um, in, in larger capacities. I had a, a, an organization call me today, say, we want to pay PGE bills and we want to give you more homeless materials so you can continue to re- reach out to the homeless. So um, it's an ongoing thing and, and we're spirit led. I think it's a lot of the conversation we've had today has been spirit led where we're just spirit led. And when God brings something to us, I, I'm a, I don't have a habit of saying no. <laughs> and sometimes maybe I should, but when people want to give us things, we, we gladly accept it. We find a use for it. And um, we just keep giving it away. And again, God keeps giving us more. So, And I like the idea when you talk about essentially adopting an apartment building and having mm-hmm. a presence there. And, and almost effectively, the term I would use is almost creating a house church uh, yes. where, where people of that, that apartment community can find a place to go. And not have to go all the way down the street, not have to even leave the building and to be able to right. find fellowship there. I mean, you know, you think about it, that was the first century church. There there were no steeples, pews, parking lots, worship orders, Sunday morning bulletins. None of that existed in the first century church. Uh, it, it was all very organic. And, you know, it's a word we often hear in the grocery store these days, but I think there's also practical application from a spiritual standpoint. And it sounds like a big part of your ministry has been just that organic. The, the, the need kind of rears its head and the opportunity to meet that need begins to emerge and people are suddenly saying, okay, what can I do to help? And to see that just kind of come together naturally and the sort of impact that it's allowed you to have right there in the community so that instead of writing the final epitaph on a church as the congregation grows older, people move away and and interest seems to wane, here you are talking about not just the next chapter, but how the church that was struggling maybe years ago is suddenly now with a sense of empowered envision looking forward to how can we start daughter churches? How can we continue to, you know, essentially grow this ministry and, and see the outreach being taken even beyond the realm of where God initially planted us geographically to, to reach again, those highways and byways, those highways go pretty far. And, and I just think it's, it's wonderful that there's been a sense of, of true obedience and risk-taking, quite frankly, uh, amongst yep. yourself and, and church leadership to say, you know, we, we, we're not perfect. We don't have all the answers. We just know that whom God calls, he equips. And so here we are, let's go and do and uh, watch what the Holy Spirit does. And in doing so, then see God glorified. Amen. For folks that are new to the San Francisco Bay Area, uh, Pastor Steve, and they've been intrigued by our conversation today, uh, just give us a quick snapshot again, kind of rundown where you meet, service times, locations, and what folks will find at Refuge Church. Okay, we meet at 1187 Meadow Lane in Concord here. It's called the Monument Corridor. And our meeting times are 930 for Discovery Groups, 1030 we start our church services. Um, we do have online streaming, so if you want to check it out and kick the tire, so to speak, you can do that through our um, refuge. 
what is that? Our refuge Facebook it's live stream. <laughs> and then we can just, I would say you, what you can expect when you walk in the door, welcome. We don't have people that come uh, on purpose to, to welcome you or anything. We do have people planted at the door, but you're going to be loved by everybody. And that is what really encourage you is just, just love on people. Loved on, you can expect to have a good good time with in worship and um, hear a message that is relevant to today. And I, I and you would expect not to have to feel you would feel comfortable being here, but not to uh, come and plant yourself in a comfort zone uh, because we're a church that is is about action. And you kept you've mentioned it a couple of times. You know, like the first century church. I, I took church his, history. My, they said, "What do you want to get out of the class?" I said, "I, I want to know where it all went wrong. Where do we get away from, you know, doing what God has commanded us to do to helping the needy and the poor and being out there and and going and minister, ministering to people in our community and the world." And where we went wrong is we stopped being that first century church. We stopped serving in such a way as to give of ourselves everything that God calls us to give. So that's that's what people can expect to see that kind of an attitude and and uh, to be embraced. And uh, we don't do a lot of physical embracing because of the COVID thing. But some people say, "I'll I'll hug you anyway <laughs> if they want it." But um, it's it's. It's it's prayerfully a place where you would come to if you're if you have a need as as far as you're going through struggles in your life you're going to be prayed for if you you are uh, losing hope we want to want you to know that we can help you to regain your hope and your faith people go through are going through crisis of faith in during these times and we just hope to be that place but we also encourage people from outside of this community to to come and we we do need good leadership uh, good strong leadership and um to help to develop other leaders and um help our interns as they come through there's so much happening there's so much to expect that you could you could encounter here on a sunday or a wednesday night or or a tuesday you never know you never know what's going to happen and it's always always a blessing so that's what i would encourage people to come and come and see that for themselves and to experience what god is doing here refuge church formerly park haven community church of concord a place to well quite frankly a place to grow and a place to serve again meeting sunday mornings for discovery workshops at 9 30 worship at 10 30 a.m wednesday evening 6 p.m dinner with the neighbors followed by bible study at 7 p.m all happening at 1187 meadow lane in concord details on the web at refugecares.com that's refugecares.com or you can call the church directly at area code 925-671-0702. That's 925-671-0702. And our thanks to Senior Pastor Steve Wilhite for being with us. Pastor Steve, thanks so much for the time today. Thank you so much for having me. 
Well, that's going to do it for this edition of Lifeline. Thanks so much for being with us. And if there was anything you heard on today's show that you'd like to hear again or share with a friend, grab a copy of the Lifeline podcast. Simply log on to kfax.com. That's kfax.com for the Lifeline podcast. Our producer is Wanda Sanchez. I'm Craig Roberts. Till next time round, remember, just don't keep the faith. Get out there and share it and make it a great evening. So long. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.